Hello, people of the way. Blessings in Jesus. If you have your Bible, please open up to Judges chapter 18, the book of Judges chapter 18. We continue our study through the Old Testament. Now, in Judges 18, we have to remember what's happening here. Remember how last week we see the idolatry of Micah? He was a thief. He was a thief of the worst kind because he stole from his mom. Now, According to the law, I'm not advocating the law in any way, shape, or form, but according to the law, he's idolatrous because we see his idolatry from last week in chapter 17, but on, at, at the same time, he's also dishonoring his mom because of his behavior in, you know, a, a thief, the worst kind, because he stole from his mom. Now, we also see mom's idolatry. You see, and we realize that for Micah, the fruit doesn't fall far from the tree. And she even speaks with godly jargon, you know, when she says, you know, the Lord bless you, son. You say, wait, 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 wait a second. You know, it's like it does, there's a disconnect. The Lord bless you, son, but he's idolatrous. The Lord bless you, son, but he's a thief. The Lord bless you, son, but he's dishonoring his mom. The Lord bless you, son. But then you know who it comes from? She's idolatrous herself. You see, there's a disconnect. It's something we like to speak of. And, you know, from our New Testament studies, it's about formula. The formula is wrong in son, Micah. And the formula is wrong in mom. You see? And this is something we see today where People speak with godly jargon. They speak Christianese. And it does have an appearance of faith. You see, it does have an appearance of godliness. It does have an appearance of something good. But remember that faith is a package deal. Faith is a package deal. Now, if you're listening for the first time, go back and listen to our study through the book of James. You'll understand more about the package deal. Faith is a package deal. We see it in the New Testament, something Brother James speaks of. We also see it in the Old Testament, something that Brother James spoke of regarding Abraham. Remember? And when you hear or see someone that has the appearance of godliness, you have to look at the deeds. We must look at the deeds. Jesus says, our Lord, he says, look at the fruit. You see, when Micah's mom says, oh, the Lord bless you, son. And then Samson's mom says, the Lord bless you, son. They say the exact same thing. The Lord bless you. Micah's mom, Samson's mom. They say the exact same thing. The Lord bless you. But when you understand formula, you can see that they're worlds apart. They say the exact same thing. The Lord bless you. Four words. They say the exact same thing. And Micah's mom, Samson's mom, when you understand formula, you can see and understand that the two are worlds apart. They say the exact same thing. And our Lord Jesus, he teaches us about this when he says, they honor me with their lips, 
which seems good. They speak Christianese. They speak something that has the appearance of something good. It seems righteous. They honor me with their lips, our Lord says. But he continues and says, but their heart, their heart is far from me. You see? Remember the sons of Siva from our sons from, from our study in the book of Acts. Remember the sons of Siva? Seven sons. Sons of a chief priest. Chief priest. Look at that. You know, since we have the backdrop of the Old Testament, because they're in that lineage of chief priests, you know from a from a, a tribal perspective, you understand what we're looking at. The sons of Siva, seven sons, and they have the appearance of something holy. I mean, they meet a certain criteria being of a certain lineage. And it does have the appearance of something good. But the evil spirit, the evil spirit, when the sons of Siva spoke to the demon-possessed guy, the evil spirit responds and says, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. But who in the world are you? You see, the sons of Siva, they had the appearance of godliness. But they were not. They had the appearance of something good. But they didn't have the formula. You see, they had a formula according to the flesh but not according to the spirit. You see, according to the flesh, they, you know, they're, they're, they're in a lineage. They have the, they're, 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 they're and, you know, uh, uh, chief priests, educated. They had academia. But the evil spirit says, I know Jesus, I know Paul, but I don't know you. You see, no oil, no power. And they were defeated. They lost they were defeated. Now, I'm not advocating the law in any way, shape, or form. Am I advocating the law? I am not. But we must understand the rules of engagement of the old covenant. Completely different from rules of engagement of the new covenant. And if you're listening for the first time and you're like, what? You know, I've never heard a guy talk about rules of engagement when it comes to the when it comes to the Bible. Now, we speak of rules of engagement because, you know, and we liken it to like, say, for example, you and me, we are warriors according to the flesh and we have a commander and it, our commander, we have specific orders and we go, we, we do some serious fighting in a hot spot somewhere in the world we do some serious fighting i meant just serious fighting we engage the enemy and at the same time say for example we deploy to another part of the world after some kind of natural disaster some kind some kind of tsunami or earthquake and we deploy to a certain part of the world completely different area and we, it's, we don't, it's humanitarian. The mission is humanitarian where we bring food, water, you know, we have medical supplies. We support a medical team and the medical team is providing, you know, uh, uh, 
medical assistance. And it's completely humanitarian. Now, we have the same commander. Except one theater of operation is down and dirty. We're, we're doing the dirty and it's serious business and we're engaging the enemy. In the other theater of operation, we have the same commander, except it's entirely humanitarian. You see? And that's how we look at the covenants. That's how we look at the covenants. Because in the old covenant, we see rules of engagement, fighting, warfare, according to the flesh. But then new covenant, we see a different kind of fighting. It's according to the spirit. It is not carnal. You see? And just as we see in, uh, in the Old Testament, just as we see entry into the promised land, we also see the battles involved. We also, as New Covenant believers, our entry into the promised land, and I speak of paradise, it also has battles. And that fight is according to the Spirit. You see? Now, in saying what I'm about to say, I'm not advocating the law, but we must understand the rules of engagement according to the law. Same commander. Now, with Micah, the priesthood, the priesthood should have recognized the error of Micah and his mom. Remember our study last week, we, we see straight up idolatry and not just idolatry, but you see the fruit of that in terms of, you know, of course, the, idol, the idols. But then at the same time, you look at the behaviors. I mean, Micah was a thief from his mom. He stole. And the priesthood, they should have seen that, recognized that. And if not the priest, the elders should have saw that, noticed that, alerted the priest activating the Levitical priesthood to say, you know, a priest to say, hey, Micah, hey, mom of Micah, let's get you cleaned up. You see, so that you can be right with the Lord. Remember our study in the Old Testament. Aboda, aboda, mishkan, very holy. Where a priest could say, listen, you're unclean before the Lord because of sin. Now, let's get you cleaned up. You see? And the wages of sin is death. And according to the law, when there is a known process for someone to be right with the Lord, and that is not taken, and I'm not advocating the law in saying this, but there should have been stoning according to the law. Prior to stoning, it's, you know, hey, let's get you cleaned up so that a person could say, you know what? I'm an error. I'm an error. I repent. And let's, you know, let's, here's my sacrifice. Here's my offering. I'm going to clean my tent. Remember, we, we studied all of this in Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. And yes, you do see the application of the penalty of the law in the Old Testament. 
But always prior to the penalty, you see the opportunity for mercy and grace. And when that mercy and grace is ignored, then it also activates the penalty, which is the wages of sin is death. Now, in our day today, the wages of sin is still death. It's still death. Except there's only one who is qualified to cast stones. There's only one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's only one who's biblically qualified to cast stones. And he, he does not cast stones. But we'll say, yet. Because judgment is coming. You see? Judgment is coming. And he will judge. And so the priest should have said, you know, hey, let's get you cleaned up. But that doesn't happen. Remember last week? We have a priest. And you're thinking, okay, finally we have a priest. Hey, priest, clean up Micah and his household. Clean up the mom. Get them right with the Lord. But the priest doesn't do that. You see? Last week we see the priest. Levites, he's got the, he's got the goods according to the flesh. Levitical priesthood. But does the priest begin the process of cleaning and purification so that Micah and his mom can be right with the Lord? No. And that means Micah and his mom are still dirty before the Lord. They're still unclean. And by the priest's failure, he is also unclean. You see? And remember... Only the clean can clean. And this is just a little picture with three people. The priest, Micah's mom, and Micah. This is just a picture of three people. When the formula is wrong, it becomes endemic. It spreads. You see? Just like Paul. Remember Paul to the church in Corinth? They gather together. You figure, wow, look, a group of Christians, they gather, they fellowship. Oh, look, this is so beautiful. And what does Paul say? He says, your rejoicing isn't good. You see? Your rejoicing isn't good. Now, picture that. You know how many Christians would go crazy today if they hear a guy say to a group, a gathering of Christians, if they hear a person say, hey, guys, your gathering isn't good. You see? Oh, don't say anything against the gathering of the saints. It is written. It's what the Bible says. Oh, look, it says, you know, don't say this against the gathering of the saints. It's a, it's a good thing. It is a holy. Yes, it is good. It is holy. When? The formula is right. But when Paul says that to a church, a group of Christians who gather and says, hey, Yes, it is good. Yes, it is holy. But with you, because the formula is not right, for you, it is not good. Your rejoicing is not a good thing. You see? And this is why we stress formula. Because it has to be right. Picture Paul. If Paul were to come into the future today, if he were to get in a time machine back in the day and, you know, arrive today, you know how many churches would kick him out? Probably, I mean, I would say a lot. I was going to say a percentage, but it'd probably freak you out, and I don't want to freak anybody out. 
but probably a lot. Paul would not be welcomed in the church today. In the church today where you have the leaven, where in the church you have men and women. And you look around and it's like you're in a nightclub. The men dress a certain way. They behave a certain way. The women dress a certain way. They behave a certain way. And you feel like, wow, is this church or am I in a nightclub? What, what, what is this place? And then you see the behaviors. Somebody comes to church. They sit in the pews on, you know, and they sit in the pews. It's Sunday morning. And that night they're getting drunk. That night they're getting baked. That night they're doing their sex and the pornography and the strippers and the gambling and all kinds of things. That very night where in the morning they were worshiping the Lord. There's a disconnect. You see? And picture Paul coming into the church today and saying, hey guys, your rejoicing isn't good. How do you think he would be received? Get out of here. You're so mean. You're not, you know, God is love. We're supposed to love. And how dare you say this? Don't judge me lest you be judged. You see? And that did happen in the early church when saints were leaving Paul. You listen to our studies on Sunday. We're at the time frame in, in our study in, in, in First Peter. Well, we just ended, but, you know, going to start Second Peter, Lord willing. But, you know, you see that time frame, that time period, and you see it's at a time when saints are leaving. Saints are falling away. The formula has to be right. And yes, that's new covenant. It's for us today. But there's nothing new under the sun. We see it in the Old Testament with just these three people. Micah, Mama, and the priest. And the formula, within all three, the formula is way out of whack. It is, the formula isn't right. Because the priest should have seen, okay, Micah, nice to meet you. Oh, Mama, nice to meet you. And oh, what's this? An idol over here. Oh, what's this? An idol over here. Hey, you got to repent. Let's destroy these idols and let's get you right before the Lord. That's what, that's what should have happened. If the priest had the formula of Aboda, Aboda, Mishkan. Now, if you're listening for the first time, you're like, what? What is this? Go back and listen to our study through Leviticus. You'll understand more. You'll understand more. And not advocating the law any way, shape, or form. But the law does have a penalty, which is death. Which is death. And the law is still in effect. Remember, today, even today, as we speak, the law is in effect. The wages of sin is still death. But there is a covering. His name is Jesus. You see, remember our study in First Timothy? The law is not made for a righteous person, but for the wicked. Today, the law is still in effect. Today, a lot of Christians say, oh, you look, the law is over. I'm not under the law. Oh, the law is over. The law is over. Number one, the law is not over. Number two, whether or not a person is under the law, or under the covering of Jesus Christ, 
that is not subject to the law, that's for the person. That's for the person. Because if there's a Christian who's abiding in Christ, and praise be to the Lord, that's a beautiful thing. But don't forget, a person could walk away from Christ. It's called apostasy. And when that happens through the deceitfulness of sin, remember our studies in Hebrews 3? And when that happens through the deceitfulness of sin, all of a sudden, the person is now under the law. Why? Because they have exited Christ. They are no longer abiding in Christ. That person can no longer say, oh, look, the law is over. The law is over because boom, the law is in effect for that person. Why? Because the covering of Jesus Christ is no longer there. You see? Every single one of us, we need the covering of Jesus Christ. We need to abide in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ says, abide in me. No period. He says, abide in me and I in you. Oneness, intimacy with the Lord. And a lot of pastors don't teach this. Oh, the law is over, they say. The law is over and praise be to the Lord, the law is over. Praise be to the Lord, the law is over, but there's a specific formula. That person needs to abide in Christ. You see? Don't forget, there, there are a people. There are a people who will hear the words, Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. You see? And the law has its penalty death but abiding in Christ the covering of Jesus and he in you death where is your sting where is your sting Hades where is your victory that only applies when a person abides in Christ and if you're listening and you're like, wow, you know, I've never heard it broken down like that. And you realize and you're like, oh my goodness, I'm under the law. And you don't want to be under the law. Hit pause, listen to the message, how to commit your life to Christ. And right here, right now, you commit your life to Christ. Do not be under the law. Be under the safety. Standing on the rock of salvation, which is Jesus Christ. You see? And so, you know, in, in saying these things about the law and the penalty of the law, these are things that we have to understand in Judges 18. And so, if you're listening and you did just recently, right now, commit your life to Christ. You come back, you listen, and we continue in this study. But understand, the law, when you're abiding in Christ and you're growing in righteousness and the ways of righteousness and becoming more holy, the law is not for you. The law does not apply to you because you have this safety of abiding in Christ who is the fulfillment of the law. You see? And so in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, you see how righteousness, now righteousness was never achieved through the law, but the means by which a person can be right was given in the law. Remember, 
the law has loopholes. The law was created with loopholes. And sometimes, you know, Jewish, listen, if you're Jewish, I love you. Sometimes when I speak to Jews, they get very mad. But, you know, what are you talking about? You know, Moses was wrote this and has loopholes. What are you talking about? Let's just look at the law of the Sabbath. The law of Sabbath. Here we are in Judges 18, which we've covered Judges 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, all the way to where we are today. Where is Sabbath? Where is Sabbath? There is no Sabbath. You see, there is no Sabbath. The promise of God's rest. They have the law of the Sabbath. But we don't see Sabbath. Is God a liar? No way. No way. So why don't we see Sabbath? Because real Sabbath, true Sabbath, it was for a future event. From Judges, from the book of Judges, a future event. Unto you a child is born, Bethlehem, you see. Bethlehem. Remember? Until the seed. Remember our study in the Old Testament? Remember our study in Torah? Until the seed. So these are things that must be understood. The rules of engagement of the new covenant in which you and me are. But then at the same time, the rules rules of engagement of the old covenant. You see? And the penalty. The penalty of the law. And breaking the law is death. I mean, under the rules of engagement of the new covenant, leaven is separated from the remnant. And there is one, remember, there is one who is biblically qualified to impose death because all have sinned. Remember all the religious leaders when they took the woman caught in adultery? Why did they just take the woman? Remember, it takes two to tango. Why did they just choose the woman? Hey, you know, you know, Jesus, she was caught in adultery. Where's the guy? Number one, where's the guy? And what does Jesus say? Okay. Whoever among you is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And they all drop their stones. Their stones. Why? Because there was none that was without sin. And the one who was without sin and is without sin. He doesn't cast any stones. He says, woman, where are your accusers? He says, neither do I condemn you. Praise be to the Lord. You see? Understand in both covenants, old and new, before the judgment of death, the door of grace and mercy is open. Now, whether a person wants to enter or exit, It's a choice they make for themselves. Just like, you know, the door is open. We say, you know, if if you want to be under Christ, if you don't want to be under the law, hit pause, listen to the message. I can't force you to hit pause. I can't force you to commit your life to Christ. I can't do that. Nobody can do that for you. Nobody can force you to, you know, hey, you know, hit pause, listen to the message, commit your life to Christ, commit your life. I can't force that upon you. You have to make the choice for yourself. You have to make the choice for yourself. And whether a person enters or exits, they make it for themselves. 
You see? Self-inflicted. How many times do you hear us say that in the Old Testament and New Testament? Self-inflicted, self-inflicted, self-inflicted. And that's the deceitfulness of sin. Remember our study in Hebrews 3? Remember with Achan from our study in Joshua 7? And with our study in Joshua 7, with Achan, the sin of Achan, where Israel, under the leadership of Joshua, they were winning battles. But then all of a sudden, they took casualties and they started to lose battles. What happened? Well, you go back and listen to our study. I mean, if you're listening for the first time, go back and listen to Joshua 7. But if you've been walking with us for a while, you remember Joshua 7. They were losing because of sin. The formula wasn't right in the camp, in the hole. The formula wasn't right. Now with Achan, he had opportunity to be right with the Lord. You see, sometimes a lot of what pastors do and what people understand based on what they've been taught, they think like, okay, there's sin in the camp. Okay, now we got to stone Achan. So Achan stoned and okay, now we're good to go. But don't forget with Achan, he had opportunity to be right with the Lord. He had opportunity to be right with the Lord. He had all night to consider his ways. He had that morning to consider his ways. But he rejected that open door. And as a result, he was stoned with his kids. A very, very heavy price. Heavy, heavy price. But the sin of Achan, because of the penalty of sin, in accordance to the law, remember the door was open. It was, you know, it wasn't open for a long time. I mean, we're, we're so spoiled today because the door has been opened for a long time, a very long time, but it's not going to be open forever. In the case of Achan, the door was open, but he didn't have it like we did, like we do now, you know, like we, us now, the door has been open for a long time. It's not open like it was 2000 years ago, give or take a couple years. Today, it's almost closed, but it's still open. And it's moving closer to being closed. It's just moving slowly. It's been moving slowly for the 200 years or 2,000 years, give or take a couple years. It's been moving slowly. But it's about ready to close. Why? Because we're in the last days. And 70 weeks are decreed. You see? But with Achan, he had opportunity to be right with the Lord. But he didn't take it. And as a result, the wages of sin was death for him and his children. And with Achan, his sin couldn't become endemic to Israel. Achan's influence and refusal to be clean was addressed. The trend of Achan ended that day. And then you see Israel go on to win battles. How many times in our study in the book of Joshua do you remember when we mentioned leadership matters? Because under Joshua and the elders, Israel was in good hands. But when they all died, we see the mess that ensues in the book of Judges. Judges 1, 2, 3, 4. And here we are in chapter 11 and here or in, in chapter 18. And here in Judges 18, 
We could say Micah influenced people. We could say Micah influenced people. I mean, because the penalty of the law wasn't addressed. You know, just like with Aiken, the penalty of the law was addressed with Aiken, and boom, it was it, it didn't it couldn't spread in Israel. But with Micah, because it wasn't put to an end with Micah, it spreads. And, you know, a lot of times people look at Judges 18 and they say, well, you know, uh, Micah was a bad influence. But for me, I don't say that. You know why? Because who influenced Micah? Dear old mom, good old mom, her idolatry, it began in her heart, somewhere along the line in her upbringing as, you know, a teenager, as a young adult, somewhere it happened where she just started to think that, you know, idolatry is okay. Remember, this is at a time where everybody is doing right in their own eyes. And somewhere along the line, she just figured, well, I'll just prop up this idol, no big deal. I'll prop up this other idol, no big deal. And this other idol, no big deal. Where are the priests? Let's forget the priests for a moment. Where are the people? Where are the people? Where are her friends? To say, hey, Mom of Micah, that's not good. That's not good. Where was her yoking unto her friends? Where a friend could say, hey, you know what? I love you, but that's not good. We're not supposed to have idols. You see? Just remember Jephthah and his beautiful, beautiful daughter? I'm so in love with Jephthah and his daughter. It's so beautiful. And when his daughter has, you know, he honors the Lord, but it's so beautiful to see how his young daughter honors the Lord, his only child. And when she goes to mourn in honor of the, her, her Jephthah's uh, oath unto the Lord, vow before the Lord, and she goes to mourn, she also goes with her friends. Remember our study? She goes and mourns with her friends. And look at that yoking unto her friends. Beautiful, beautiful friend. They don't badmouth the dad. Oh, you know what? Just your dad is so dumb. You know, your dad is so stupid. Just ignore him. And look, if you want to do this, go ahead and do this. Look, you've been dreaming about being a mom for so long. Look, just leave your dad. Just, just run away and go start your family and do this, do that. No, you don't see that. Look at her yoking unto her friends. It's so powerful. It's so beautiful. In honor of the Lord. And to honor the vows. And she goes and mourns. And she goes and mourns with her friends. Picture that. that, that I don't know how many friends she had. Maybe it was like two. Maybe everybody was, you know, everybody throughout the land is crazy. Maybe she didn't have very many friends. Maybe there was a you know, nice chunk of friends there. I don't know. But the fact that she could have friends to love on her and them together, 
honoring the Lord. Yes, in mourning, but at the same time, you see, it's godly sorrow. It's not worldly sorrow. These are things that Paul speaks of when he writes to us about godly sorrow. Godly sorrow is a beautiful thing, but sorrow according to the world? No, it is not godly because sorrow according to the world will lead you to drugs, alcohol, suicide. That's sorrow according to the world, but there is godly sorrow. It leads us to our knees. You might be listening and you're like in a state of sorrow. You've gone through different bottles. You've gone through different chemicals. You've gone through different women. You've gone through different men. You've gone through different, you know, sexcapades. You've gone through different relationships. You've gone through different whatever it is. Because you have sorrow. And these are things that I say from experience. I don't care what drugs you've done. I don't care what sex you've done. I don't care what alcohol you've done. I don't care whatever it is. There is healing in the Lord. And I tell you from experience. There is healing in the Lord. And the door of mercy, the door of grace, and the door of God's Love, it's open. It's not going to be open forever. We are in the last days. But right here, right now, it is open. Which is why we say, right here, right now, come to Christ. So many broken people today. They go to their therapist. They go to their doctors. They go to the VA and get a whole cocktail of drugs. 20 drugs a day. 20 prescriptions per day. And they're just straight up zombies. And you know what? They're still broken. And that might be you. Listening. That might be you. You come to Christ. You come to Christ. Hit pause. Listen to the message. How to come in your life to Christ. You commit your life to Christ. You come back. You listen. We grow together. We journey together. Because for you and me, we're going to paradise. We're going to paradise. And so, in the absence, where's the priest? The, the priest that came to Micah's house, what we studied last week, he should have seen it all. He should have seen the idolatry and been like, whoa, 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 whoa. We got to destroy these idols right here, right now. We got to destroy these idols. And after we destroy these idols, we got to, you know, hey, you know, you have to sacrifice. You have to, you know, give your offering to the Lord because we got to get you cleaned up. Because the wages of what I see here is death. And if you don't do that, hey, tomorrow, tomorrow, not morning, maybe tomorrow afternoon, maybe tomorrow night, it's, it's stoning time. You know, because listen, the idols, we got to destroy them. And, you know, we have to do the sacrifices and, you know, you have to, you know, get right with the Lord and, you know, let's get you cleaned up. Because tomorrow at noon, tomorrow at, you know, whatever time of day, hey, it's if you don't do this, if you're not clean before the Lord, it's time to be stoned. And we don't want that. So, hey, let's get you cleaned up. See, the door is open. Now, we're so spoiled today because it's been open for 2,000 years, give or take a couple years. But 
with Abodah, Abodah, Mishkan? When the priests are doing what priests should be doing? That's what happens. Remember, the fear of the Lord is a learned thing. And there's times when you look at Torah and you're like, whoa, that's scary. That's Remember the example we gave where you and me, we get in the time machine and we're in the, 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 the camp of Israel and we see somebody get stoned and we're like, oh my goodness, what did he do? And then somebody leans into us, hey, yeah, he, he's a thief, you know, he stole, he stole this, he stole this guy's money, he, he took this guy's animals, he stole this animal, called it his and he was caught in his lie and, you know, and the priest talked to him and they wanted to, you know, do, do sacrifice, but he refused and so look, he's dead now. You know, you know how freaked out you and me would be? What? He stole, and look, he's, we see the body there, we see the corpse, and like, what? And very quickly, we learn the fear of the Lord, like, okay, I'm, you know, I, th I saw that, I, I saw that, uh, that turtle dove over there that I was going to put in my pocket, I saw that, you know, that, that stray goat that I was going to take and call it my own, but now that I see that what happened to this guy who did the same thing, nope, I'm done, I'm not doing that. Why? Because it's like, well, I fear the Lord. And fear of the Lord is a learned thing. I look at you, you're like, well, you're, you're, you're going to take that? You're going to take that goat? You're going to take that ox? You say, nope, no way. I'm freaked out. I don't want to be stoned. So nope. And so our conduct, this is in the law. I'm not advocating the law in any way, shape or form. Just give an example, just an example of how things would pan out. So you and me, we have our tent. And we learn the fear. We're like, okay, I'm not stealing. You stealing? Nope, I'm not stealing. Okay, so we're not stealing. And we learn the fear of the Lord. We're just freaked out. We're like, okay, we're not. I don't want to get stoned. You don't want to get stoned. So we're not gonna steal anything. And then you know we listen to the to the the teachers. And then they say there's more. It's not just stealing. There's more. And so we learn the fear of the Lord more. And then at the same time, we conduct ourselves. In the fear of the Lord. And then something happens where, as for you and me, we fear the Lord. And then we look around. We see stonings happen for various reasons, you know, breaking the law, penalty of the law. We see stonings happen. And it doesn't happen with us. We see people weeping like, oh, you know, my uncle, you know, grandpappy was stoned, you know, my niece was stoned and people are doing their sex, their idolatry and they're getting stoned. And you and me, yeah, we're sad because they're getting stoned, but we're like, wow, you know what? This is, I, I got nothing to worry about. I look at you, you, yeah, I got nothing to worry about too. I mean, look, we're, we honor the Lord. We're making our sacrifices in honor of him. We we're, we're, we're living our lives like, you know, it started out like we were in fear of the Lord and it started out that way. But you see people be, and it's like, wow, our, everything's fine in our tent. And then all of a sudden, it's, we love, we fear the Lord, but then we start to trust the Lord. You see? And then we start to trust the Lord. And things are going so beautiful for us. And then something else happens where we love the Lord. We start to fall in love with him deeper and deeper and deeper. 
And it all started out with the fear of the Lord. Remember, you know, we got out of the time machine. There we are in the camp. And, you know, I saw a goat over there. I thought, you know what? I feel like eating meat tonight, you know, and I don't have any goats. And I see a goat over there and I feel like eating meat tonight. And then, you know, you, you, you tap on my shoulder and say, hey, look, you know, something's going on. There's a crowd over there. And so we go, we ask somebody, hey, well, you know, what's going on? We see the crowd and what's this guy laying on the ground? And he looks like he's dead. You know, the other person says, yeah, he's dead. What? He's dead. What happened? He was stoned. What? What did he do? He stole this guy's goat. What? I was just going to take this guy's goat. I wanted meat. I wanted to eat meat for dinner and I was going to steal this guy's goat. And this guy was going to do the same thing and he's, or he did the same thing and now he's dead. He was stoned. And then like, whoa, I'm freaked out. I'm not going to take that goat. You know, and time passes. And from the fear of the Lord, you and me, we fall in love with him. We learn to trust him. We fall in love with him. Remember we spoke of the inner chamber of faith? When you remember our study in the book of Hebrews, where remember, they didn't have the mixture of faith. They didn't have the mixture of faith. They were up, they were following the law. But then you see that, wait a second, there are some who have a mixture of faith. You see? Then you see a remnant, certain individuals who have faith. Remember, by faith, Barak, Hebrews 11. But then when you look at our study in the book of Judges, you're like, okay, here's Barak. But then you see the jumper cables of beautiful Deborah. You see, I love that so much. Sometimes I talk with my sisters in Christ whom I love and they're kind of bummed out like, Man, it's a bummer that that Deborah wasn't mentioned in Hebrews 11. And I get that. I understand that. But when we change our perspective, you start to see like, whoa, Barak is mentioned in Hebrews 11. You go to the account in Judges and Deborah was jumper cables to him. And then you start to see like, whoa, Deborah? She is beautiful. She is incredible. She is just straight up, like, I don't have the words for insanely beautiful times infinity, but if there was that word, that's what I would say of Deborah. And in one sense, it's also beautiful that the only way to see that is to be a Berean and know the scriptures. I love that. And so if you're a female, if you're my beautiful sister in Christ and you're kind of bummed out, like, man, you know, Deborah's not mentioned in Hebrews 11. No, let's flip that coin. Let's look at it another way. The fact that you see her beauty, the beauty of Deborah. Let that comfort you. Because that's the way of the remnant. But we don't see that in the mom of Micah. You don't see that with Micah's mom and her idolatry. You see? And she was the influencer in how she raised her son. 
Now you see Micah's idolatry. Mom's idolatry, which began in her heart, spread to her son. And now it's spreading to the people. Someone might say, well, she didn't know any better. But remember, this is at a time when everyone is doing what they deemed to be right in their own eyes. You see? And you look at the seeds of Micah's mom, the rotten fruit of her doing and the end result. But then you look at the seeds of Samson's mom, much different fruit. You see, look at the two moms, Micah and Samson. Look at the two moms and the things that they put in motion. Much different fruit. On one side, you have rotten fruit. On the other side, you have better fruit, beautiful fruit. And Samson had his ups and downs. Remember our study about Samson. He has his ups and downs. But you look at mama and it's beautiful. What about the seeds of Timothy's mom? You see, Timothy's mom, different seeds from Micah's mom and Timothy's mom has better fruit. You see, and to my beautiful sisters in Christ who are moms, I love you. But what about your seeds? unto your children. You see? When you consider Micah's mom, Samson's mom, Timothy's mom, look at this. You see, men, men, we have a seed of the flesh. And sometimes, you know, my beautiful sisters in Christ, sometimes women in Christ, they get discouraged by what they see in the state of the church. And remember, we have to be lovers of humility because sometimes women, they just say, okay, I don't like this pastor. This pastor's crazy. This pastor's crazy. This pastor's crazy. And they're right. When they look at certain pastors, you know, they, they turn on the TV, TBN, Tricking Believers Nightly. And they're like, they see the apostasy and the false teachings in certain pastors say, okay, I don't like this guy. I don't like this guy. I don't like this guy. And they're right. But not loving humility. They say, well, I'm going to take it upon myself and I'm going to be pastor. No, you cannot do that. Covering's always male. In a church setting, in a, in a, in a, in a tribe setting, covering always male. And when I say church and tribe, I mean, I'm, you know, Old Testament, New Testament, you know, church and tribe covering always male, but there is a female covering in moms unto children. You can, if you're female, you cannot be pastor. You cannot be elder. You cannot be an overseer. That kind of covering is always male. I know we see a whole lot of defunctness everywhere. One of many signs of the last days. But being a lover of humility, to be like Chloe. You see? To be like Chloe, who's in Corinth and sees pastor number one, pastor number two, three, four, and knows, knows that she cannot submit to those pastors. She cannot submit to those elders. Why? Because they have the wrong formula. But she submits to teacher Paul, 
who taught her and taught her well. You see? And so men, you know, we have a seed according to the flesh. And for my sisters in Christ, you have a better seed. A better seed because it's of the Spirit. Of the Spirit. You see? And the seeds that you plant in your children. This is the backdrop of what's happening in Judges 18. Because a lot of people, you know, they like to point out the idolatry of Micah. And sometimes even Bible versions, you know, they, 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 they you know, in certain commentaries, they write about the idolatry of Micah. And yeah, Micah did have an idolatry. But I don't point to the idolatry of Micah as much as I do Mama, because that's where it started. Her idolatry. And the rotten, the rotten fruit in her kid. The seeds that she planted in her kid. And those rotten seeds, it had the rotten fruit in her son. And now that rotten fruit, it spreads. It gets worse. And that's what we see in Judges 18. Judges 18, verse 1. In those days, there was no king in Israel. You see, there's no Moses, there's no Joshua, no godly elders, and it shows. Remember, leadership matters. Under, under Moses, things were beautiful. Under Joshua, things were beautiful. And here in verse 1, there was no king in Israel. You see? And in those days, the tribe of the Danites was seeking an inheritance for itself to dwell in. For until that day, their inheritance among the tribes of Israel had not fallen to them. Now, in Deuteronomy, Moses told them about their inheritance. Moses told Israel about their inheritance, each tribe. And then in the book of Joshua, the lots were cast for their inheritance. And then Israel had to fight but remember when Moses told them, told Israel, you're going to inherit this land, but it's not because you're awesome. It's because of their wickedness. It's because of the people, their wickedness. Moses told them, it's not because you're special. It's not because you're awesome because you guys, you're a stiff necked people. That's what Moses told them. You see? And then when Moses said that, it did seem rather harsh. Absolutely. It absolutely seems. I mean, do you remember our study in Deuteronomy where like, you know, when, when Moses would say something harsh and it's like, whoa, like, you know, we, 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 we spoke of the pep talk. We're like, you know, Moses, where's the pep talk? You know, here, here we are. We're Israel. We're the second generation of Israel. And we're about to enter the promised land. And it's a beautiful thing. And you want to talk to us about, you know, uh, you know uh, uh, being forsaken by the Lord? Where's the pep talk, Moses? And yet, old man Moses, he continued to speak in his farewell dissertation. In his farewell discourse in the book of Deuteronomy. And he told them emphatically. Yes, you're, this is the inheritance. But it's not because you're special. 
It's not because you're awesome. Because you, you're a stiff-necked people. It's because of their wickedness. You see? And at the time in Deuteronomy, it's like, wow, this is like, you know, like, well, it's kind of harsh, Moses. But now that here we are in Judges 18, where we have the backdrop of Judges 1, 2, 3, and all the way to 18, you start to realize like, wow, you know what? Moses was right. They are a stiff-necked people. You see? And if you're Jewish and you're listening and you're like, oh, here we go. Another Christian is about to rail on Israel. Listen, I'm not of the coalition that you think of. There is a lot of anti-Semitism arising in the church today. They're in error. They believe a lie. They believe in false theology. It's called replacement theology, where you have these false teachers, these wolves that are in pulpits, and they start to teach Christians that God is done with Israel. Now the promises of God are now to the church. Those are false teachers. Those are wolves. Those are apostates. And if you're Jewish and you're listening, Moses spoke of a stiff-necked people. But is that reserved for Israel only? Is that reserved for the Jew only? No. Because it's seen in the church today. A stiff-necked people. It's seen in the church today. Because when you look at the replacement theology teachers, and then you look at the, the people who submit themselves to those wolves and those apostates and those false teachers, you can see the stiff-neckedness. Because the Bible says one thing and speaks loud and clear, crystal clear. But you see in the church, no Bereans. No Bereans to say, wait a second, pastor, you're wrong because the Bible doesn't say that God is done with Israel. You see? Remember, it's not the branch that supports the root. The root supports the branch. And you have no Bereans in churches today where pastors, you know, they call glitter the Holy Spirit. They say God is done with Israel. They want to go grave soaking. They say, go ahead and take the mark of the beast. And you see people, okay, pastor, since you say that, it must be right. And you see stiff-neckedness. You see stiff-necked in the Old Testament. You see stiff-necked in the New Testament. But you also see circumcision of heart. You see? Very important. You and me having hearts so soft, so soft, softer than the softest jello. That's what our hearts need to be. You see? And the flesh works against that. The flesh is what makes a heart harder and harder and harder and harder and harder and harder and harder. That's what the flesh does. But when our hearts are softer than the softest jello, like you could, you could, like you take jello and not in its liquid form, in its jello form, and you drop a marshmallow in it where it will just, you know, hit the top and, you know, plop, 
and you see the, the jello, jello starts to wiggle, but then that marshmallow, it doesn't stay on the top. It starts to sink, slowly sink to the bottom. That's how soft that jello is. It's not liquid form, it's gelatinous. And that's what our hearts need to be. Softer than the softest jello. You see? No stiff neckness. Because where you see stiff neckness, that's the pathway of the apostate. In both testaments, Old Testament and New Testament, with stiff neckness. You see? You see the end result of what stiff neckness get because remember in, in in Deuteronomy it's like wow Moses where's our pep talk we're about to end we're the second generation and yeah you know the first generation you know they were judged and so you know we we we, we see now you know first generation they're all dead except for Caleb and Joshua and we get it you know we we understand what you're trying to say but come on where's the pep talk Moses. You read Deuteronomy and you're like, whoa, that's kind of harsh. But now that we're in Judges 18, you can see like, wow, Moses. Yeah, it was harsh. But the people would be greatly served if they heeded those words. Micah, mom of Micah, they would be greatly served if they heeded the words of old man Micah. You see? And for the Danites here in verse one, verse one, the Danites, they were seeking the inheritance for itself to dwell in, as we see in verse one, for until that day, their inheritance among the tribes of Israel had not fallen to them. You see, the Danites, they had an area allotted to them. And it hasn't yet fallen into their hands. And this is something that Moses also warned them about. When he says to Israel, you are a consecrated people. You're consecrated unto the Lord. Don't take up their ways. Don't take up their ways and the ways of these people and their idols and their gods and their conduct of living. And what do we see? What do we see here in Judges 18? Where is the heeding of Moses? Where is the heeding of Joshua? Where is the heeding of the elders of Joshua? You see? You say, wait a second. Samson was Danite. Samson was Danite. And so how come Samson's Danite and then, you know, here that the, the Danites, they don't have their tribal inheritance yet. Well, remember when we studied Samson and the oppression of the Philistines, it was ongoing and there was no rest in the land like we see in the earlier chapters of Judges. And so now the Danites are finally attempting to possess the land. Why, why didn't they do it earlier? You see? And so what's happening here is you're seeing the Danites. You see the delay of the Danites. What's causing this delay of the Danites? And when you look at, you know, what we studied about Samson, 
And you start to see like there is oppression of the Philistines. And remember, how many times do we say, when the Lord becomes forgotten? Because when the Lord becomes forgotten, all kinds of mess happen. I mean, like you take a creek and that water is flowing and flowing and flowing and it's clean water. Why? Because it's flowing and flowing and flowing. But then you stop the water. You stop the flow of water. And you know what's going to happen at the, the downstream? Plant life, it's going to die. It's not going to be immediate. You're not going to you know, turn off the water and then you know, everything dies like that. No, it, does, it, it takes time. Because there's going to be wetness. But that wetness isn't going to be there forever. It's going to dry. It's going to get arid. It's going to decay. The life in the water is going to die. The greenery around the water, it's going to die. It's not immediate. That's what happens when the Lord becomes forgotten. Where a person can be close to the Lord and they have green pastures. But then the person walks away from the Lord. And there's going to be some semblance of green but in the course of time a week later you're gonna see a little yellow the tips of the green are gonna be yellow because it's drying a month later you're gonna see the tips of the green it's it's light green now because it's turning yellow and getting hard because it's drying six months later a year later no more green you see, two years later, there's not just no more green, but now that dryness, now it's fallen to the earth and now it's just dirt. Another year passes and the dirt, now it gets flaky and cracky. And then another year, now it's just straight up death and destruction. And that's what happens when the Lord becomes forgotten. Because the Lord does promise green pastures and still waters. Yes, absolutely. But the formula's got to be right. You see? And so here in verse 2, So the children of Dan sent five men of their family from their territory, men of valor, from Zorah and Eshtaol, to spy out the land and search for it. Now, this isn't Moses or Joshua sending out a recon team. Remember the recon team from our study in Numbers? This isn't Moses or Joshua sending out their recon team. This is a tribe sending out a recon team. This isn't a singular leader. Remember, there's no king in Israel. Everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes. And so the tribe, the children of Dan, they sent out the recon team. You see? And this is Dan when there is Philistine oppression and there's no rest in the land. You see? In verse 2, we see, they said to them, Go search out the land. So they went to the mountains of Ephraim, to the house of Micah, and lodged there. Very interesting. So now we see this intersection. Now we see where these two paths meet, what we studied last week. Micah and Mama, we studied that last week. And now that we know what the house of Micah is like, the things that we studied last week, and a little bit this week, well, today, right now, well, you know, 20 minutes ago, these two paths meet now, this recon team of Dan. Now they meet. 
Micah connects with Dan, and it seems harmless. The two paths meet, it seems harmless. But let's look at a similar scenario. Let's look at a similar example. Let's say, for example, you and me, we're baby Christians. We're baby Christians. We, we just became Christians yesterday. And praise be to the Lord. And now we want to go to church. We want to go to church and we meet up with a Christian by the name of Benny Hinn. And he calls himself a Christian and we suspect nothing. It seems perfect, perfectly fine. Not, not, remember, we're baby Christians. Everything seems fine. You know, we, hey, nice to meet you. What's your name? He says, I'm Benny. Okay, nice to meet you, Benny. And he says, yeah, come to church. Okay, we'll go to church. Or let's say, for example, we're baby Christians. And we meet up with another Christian. By the name of Joyce Meyer. Hey, she calls herself a Christian. We suspect nothing. We're baby Christians. We just became Christians yesterday. Praise be to the Lord. And she says, hey, yeah, come to church. I'm the pastor. Come to church. And we're baby Christians. Everything seems fine. Or we decide to go to a church called Bethel. call themselves Christians. They say they're Christians. They look, they got a lot of people. The parking lot is full. We suspect nothing. We just became Christians yesterday. We're baby Christians. We love the Lord. And everything seems perfectly fine. A baby Christian, somebody who became a Christian yesterday, somebody who became a Christian, well, if you're listening and you became a Christian today, you might think, okay, what's what's this guy getting at? Because, yeah, Benny Hinn, no big deal. Joyce Meyer, Bethel, no big deal. What's wrong? What's What's this guy getting at? But if you're a Berean, if you're not a baby, if you've been a Christian for a while and walking with the Lord for a while and growing and maturing and matriculating, you're not in preschool anymore. You've gone from preschool, kindergarten, grade one, two, three, four, and maybe maybe you were held back in fourth grade. And you repented, you learned the error of your ways, and now you're five, six. You hear Benny Hinn, you're like, oof. You hear Joyce Meyer, you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. And you know, it's not fine. It's not fine. You hear of baby Christians going to Pastor Benny. You hear of baby Christians going to Pastor Joyce. And then you realize, whoa, those baby Christians are in harm's way. They're in harm's way. And this is what we see when the paths of Dan and Micah meet. In verse 3. While they were at the house of Micah, remember the, the, the paths meet, we, are, we know the makeup of Micah. Mama didn't do so well. The idolatry of Mama spread to her son and her son. And remember, they're, they're speaking in 
something that appears to be God. Oh, the Lord bless you, son. The Lord bless you, son. Let's forget the fact that you're a thief. Let's forget the fact that you stole from mama. Let's forget the fact that you have idols because look, she's got her idols too. Hey, the Lord bless you. We know what the household of Micah looks like and it's a mess. Might not seem like a mess to him. Might not seem like a mess to mama. But it is. And they even speak, oh, the Lord bless you. They speak in words that, okay, seems like they, seems like they love the Lord. And the Lord bless you. Wow, you know, she loves her son. See, look, they're, they're speaking in godly lingo. But when you look at the formula, when you understand formula and you look deeper, you realize, okay, just like Jesus says, they honor me with their lips. But their heart is far from me. And so these paths meet the recon team of Dan. And while they were at the house of Micah, they recognized the voice of a young Levite. Very interesting. They're familiar with the young Levite. You see, remember in our study in Torah, Levites, they don't have an inheritance because their provisions were from the Lord. People gave to the Lord and then the Lord in turn gave to the Levites. Or, you know, parts of land were given from the people to the Levites. Now, remember the two transactions we would always mention in our study in Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, our study in Torah, the two transactions, a person gives to the Lord, sacrifices unto the Lord. That's one transaction, a person unto the Lord. Transaction number two is the Lord unto the priesthood. Two transactions. Very important to remember the two transactions. And so... The young Levite, the young Levite, priest. He became a priest to Micah, what we studied last week. And he was known to the Danite recon team. And that should have alerted the Danites. It should have alerted the Danites that Micah was a personal priest because priests were for the people in service to the Lord. Abodah, Abodah, Mishkan. Remember our study in Leviticus. The whole purpose is for people to be right with the Lord. Where there's Abodah, Abodah, Mishkan in the Old Testament, it's for people to be right with the Lord. When there's Abodah, Abodah, Mishkan as New Covenant believers, it's for people to be right with the Lord. Picture a church. Picture a church where the pastor is in the back pocket of the wealthiest person. Let's say it's a mother-son duo. The wealthiest, the wealthiest people in the church, it's a mother-son duo. And the pastor is in the, in, the, in the back pocket of this mother-son duo. Now, do you think others in this church are properly cared for with this kind of favoritism? When the pastor is in the back pocket of the wealthiest person. Knowing that God is no respecter of persons. Because such a pastor is a hireling and must be avoided. Jesus says the hireling does not care for the sheep. And that's what we see. The, the recon team. They should say, okay, this guy's a priest. We know him. The voice sounds familiar. 
what's he doing over here? And nevertheless, this Danite recon team, they hear this familiar voice and they see the priest. And we see here in verse three, they turn aside and said to him, what brought you here? What are you doing in this place? What do you have here? I mean, understand it. It's got to be rather odd to see a priest not with the priests. And this priest, this young priest, Levite, he's at Micah's house. Now, picture the recon team. They see like, wow, this is odd. How come this priest isn't with the other Levite priests? Why is he here? And then picture the recon team, the Danite recon team. They look around, they see like, wow, look at all these idols in Micah's house. You see? I mean, using the earlier example where, uh, in the earlier example, when there's a, 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 a pastor is in the back pocket of the mom and son duo. Remember, the, the wealthiest, the wealthiest people in the church. And in that example, say the pastor is living in that home as their personal pastor. You see, and say you and me, we're in that home. We're, we're guests in that home, and we look around. We know it's like it's a nice. I mean, there's a lot of opulence because they're the, the, the wealthiest people in the church, and you know, the son hasn't cut the umbilical cord yet. Mama likes that umbilical cord, so there's that, and we look around, and we see. Yeah, there's opulence. It's like, wow, you know, the wealthiest people in the house. And then we look around and we see drug paraphernalia. We see like, you know, alcohol and sex paraphernalia. We see all kinds of like nasty things and idols. And all of a sudden we hear a familiar voice. And the, the pastor comes down the hallway. And we're like, what? What is he doing here? Pastor, what brought you here? Pastor, what are you doing here? Pastor, what business have you here? You see? And that's what's happening with this recon team. The, the, the Danite recon team, they look like, what? why is this Levite priest not with the Levites? Why isn't he with the other priests? What's he doing here? And they look around, they see the idols. What's he doing here? Now, remember, the Danites, they had some issues going on. Because we look at this, de this Danite recon team and we look at them and it's like, okay, why was there delay in their inheritance? Because Moses told them about the inheritance. Joshua not only told them about the inheritance, but the, the lots were cast. They have the inheritance. But those towns hadn't fallen yet. And so we look at Samson, we see the Philistine oppression. And we see the oppression because we see when the Lord becomes forgotten in a land, we start to see, okay, this is why oppression happens when the Lord becomes forgotten. I mean, these last chapters in Judges, there's a lot to understand. Because, I mean, we could just, you know, fly through Judges 18 and, you know, close it up and say, okay, we're done. But when you look closely, when you understand different angles and you see what's happening, 
And yes, there's no king in Israel and everyone is doing right in his own eyes. You start to realize like, whoa, things, it's only a matter of time before things become a mess. But is that reserved for the Danites only? No, because we see it in other tribes. We see it in other homes. We see it with other people. We see it in other families, Old Testament and New Testament, and even still today. Mess upon mess upon mess upon mess upon mess. Oppression upon oppression upon oppression upon oppression upon oppression. Where a Christian comes to you, oh, brother, oh, sister, can you pray for me? I'm under attack. And you're like, sure. I would love to pray for you. How can I pray for you? What's the problem? Well, I'm under attack because, you know, somebody broke into my home and they beat me up. I'm under attack. You're like, whoa. I wasn't expecting that. Can you tell me more? Well, yeah, they broke into my home and I had a stash of crack, the finest crack from Chiapas, Mexico. And I had a stash and they broke into my home. They beat me up and they stole it. I'm under satanic attack. And you're like, okay. Yes, I'm going to pray for you. Yes, I'll pray. It would be a joy to pray for you. But don't call this a satanic attack. Let's not call this a work of demons. And not to give any sympathy to the devil. But you see, wait a second. Yeah, I'm going to pray for you. But the formula is not right in you, brother. The formula is not right in you, sister. Because you're saying that this is all demonically inspired. You're saying that this is all a work of Satan. But, you know, like, you made some terrible choices along the way. I mean, let's hit the rewind button. You know, what, why, why, why is the crack even there? Let's hit the rewind button even further. Why do you even want the crack? Let's hit the rewind button even further. Have you not been healed of your crack addiction? Let's hit the rewind button even further. Where, is your, where are you going to church? Let's hit the rewind button even further. Who is the pastor that you have chosen to submit yourself to? Let's hit the rewind button even further. The Jesus that you believe, is that Jesus? Is his word above his name? You see? Now, you might be listening like, what? J Jesus? Because remember, the, the disciples asked Jesus, what is the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus, the biblical Jesus, whose word is above his name, says that there will be many Christs. Many Christs. Picture that, a lineup of a thousand Christ. They all look the same. They got the same hair. They dress the same. There's a thousand Christs. But there's only one who is right. One who is the biblical Jesus. How will we know? His word is above his name. You see? And then you discover this guy, this lady who's requesting prayer, which is a beautiful thing that they even come to you and ask for prayer. That's a beautiful thing. But then when you look at formula, you say, yes, listen, brother, listen, sister, I would love to pray for you. 
But you need to submit yourself to the biblical Jesus. Not the fake Jesus. You need to submit yourself to the real Jesus, Son of the Most High, whose word is above his name. Because him, there is healing in him. He will heal you. Even though a lot of pastors today, they like to say that, you know, Jesus doesn't heal like we see in the book of Acts. Listen, those aren't pastors. Those are wolves. Those are hirelings. There's no expiration date on the power, the moving, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's an expiration date on certain individuals, such as those false teachers. Why? They reveal it themselves. You see? So then a person comes to you, oh, can you pray for me? Sure, I'll pray for you. No big deal. I, love, I would love to pray for you. Don't even feel like I wouldn't pray. I would love to pray for you. And then they reveal the issue. You're like, whoa, why, why is this even an issue? They say, oh, it's, I'm under satanic attack. Satan is attacking me. Satan is attacking me. He's like, well, wait a second. You made some pretty terrible decisions. I love you, but let's be straight up. You made some terrible decisions. And you hit the rewind button. You're like, why is this an issue? Why is there crack? Why is there crack in the house? Oh, because I'm addicted. Why are you addicted? Because I started this and it just grabbed a hold of me. Well, then it, it, it calls into question the Jesus. Because there's healing in the biblical Jesus whose word is above his name. But the fake Jesus? Remember, a thousand Christs. And the real Jesus, the biblical Jesus, whose word is above his name, says there will be many Christs. The Jesus that you and me worship must always, 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 always be the biblical Jesus. Because Satan has his servants, false teachers. Remember when Paul revealed his phobia to the church? And he says, listen, I'm afraid for you guys. Because these false teachers are going to come in with another gospel, another Jesus, and another spirit. And he's not afraid of that false teacher. He says, I'm afraid for you. Because you're going to put up with it. Remember, Paul is deadly. Paul is deadly. Peter, deadly. James, deadly. He's not saying, oh, I'm afraid of the false teacher. He doesn't say, I'm afraid of, I'm afraid of the servant of Satan. He doesn't say that. He says, I'm afraid for you. Because a servant of Satan to Paul, they could have a five-minute conversation and Paul knows what he's dealing with. James could have a five-minute conversation with the pastor and knows what he's dealing with. Peter could have a five-minute conversation and know what he's dealing with. Servant of Satan. But a young Christian could have a five-minute conversation with that guy. And after five minutes, say, yeah, you know what? I'll submit to you. You're my pastor. You see? Paul doesn't say, oh, I, you know, I'm going to reveal my phobia to you. And I'm afraid of these, these uh, pastors. Paul doesn't say that. He says, no, I'm afraid. But not because of them. I'm afraid because of you. Because not if they come, when they come. You're going to put up with it. You see? 
And so this Danite recon team, they're kind of shocked, you know, like, what, the, the priest? Number one, why aren't you with the priest? We see in verse three, who brought you here? What are you doing in this place? What, what do you have here? And in verse four, he said to them, thus and so Micah did for me. And then the Hebrew that translates that, you know, this and that. That's how it translates in the Hebrew. And that's the priest's response. He says, he has hired me and I have become his priest. Now, this situation has its oddities. Because the recon team should have known the type of priest they're talking to. Because, I mean, picture that for a moment. Where, you know, we're, we're, we're a guest in, in somebody's house. We're a guest. We walk in and we see the opulence. And we're like, okay, these, these, these guys have some cash flow. And then we see, okay, the mother-son duo, they walk out. I'm like, okay, hi, nice to meet you. And, you know, formalities, you know, and we're cordial. We look around, we see all kinds of paraphernalia. We're like, okay, we... We, 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 we see what's happening here. We kind of, okay, this is strange. And okay, we're not going to be here too long. We're just going to, you know, say hi and say what we got to say. And boom, we're out. But then all of a sudden we hear a door open. Down the hall, we hear a door creak open. It hasn't been, oh, the hinges hasn't been oiled. You know, we hear the creak. And then the door, we hear footsteps down the hall. We look. Pastor? Pastor? You see, and say it's our pastor. <laughs> say it's our pastor. Like, pastor, what in the world? What are you doing here? Oh, yeah, I live here. They pay me. Just like, you know, Micah, Micah paid the priest. A, a, an annual salary, had clothing, food provisions, everything provided. And just like that, the pastor comes out. And we're like, pastor, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Immediately, you and me, in this example, we know what kind of pastor we're talking to. He likes the money. You see? He likes the money. He has no problem with the paraphernalia. You see? We're in this home and we're like, we get kind of like freaked out a little bit. We get the heebie-jeebies and we're like, oh, you know, the we got to get out of here. Just, you know, feel weird about it. And then the pastor comes walking around with a big smile on his face. Speaking Christianese. Oh, praise the Lord. God bless you. See, we know what kind, of, what kind of pastor we're talking to. What kind of pastor we're dealing with. And we're like, okay, we're out. And not just we're leaving the place. Now, okay, we got to find another church because that pastor, he's crazy. He's compromised. You see? He's crazy. The Bible says, submit yourselves to your pastors, those who, who, who watch over you because they watch out for your soul. But that pastor, disqualified. Disqualified. He's compromised. So now we know, okay, now we got to find a church because this, this, this church with this guy as pastor, knowing that leadership matters, okay, he's crazy. I cannot, you cannot safely submit to that pastor. So we pray, where are we going to find a church home? Lord, help us. You see? And that's what's happening with these Danites. They see the Levite. What are you doing here? 
Except what should have happened with the recon team is they should have known, okay, this Levite, he's not with the Levite priests. So that says something. But then number two, we see this house and the idols and the priest is here. There's like a disconnect. And they should have realized the type of priest that they were speaking to. But look what happens in verse five. So they said to him, Please inquire of God that we may know that, that we may know whether the journey on which we go will be prosperous. Wow. Now there's several things that we see here. Because we'll use the earlier example example where there's a pastor who's living in the home of, you know, the mom and son duo. They have wealth and they have their all kinds of paraphernalia. And there's the pastor who lives there. He comes walking down the hall and big smile on his face. He's speaking Christianese and he has the title of pastor. He's got the name tag that says he's a pastor. He's got the pastor parking spot. And he stands at the pulpit and he has his degrees of academic accomplishment from seminary. But wrong formula. Wrong formula. He ain't no pastor. He can call himself a pastor. But the Bible reveals to Bereans, that guy, he ain't no pastor. You see? Now, is it a good thing to seek counsel from such a pastor? Is it safe to seek counsel from such a pastor? Definitely not. Definitely not. And yet... This Danite recon team. They want confirmation of prosperity and success. They want confirmation. And they go to a priest. But remember, we're in Judges 18. The blueprint for real prosperity and success, it's already been given. You know why? Moses told them. Moses told them the blueprints for entering the land. And under Joshua, the lots have been cast. And the fact that this has not happened yet tells us plenty. You see? Now, remember what the Lord did with the first generation? when The first generation of Israel, when they refused to fight the Canaanites? 11 days became 40 years. And we see the exact same thing, not just with the second generation, but with multiple generations after. You see, all the while, all the while, the law of Sabbath has been given. But we do not see Sabbath. Why? To make way for the real Sabbath. And this is something we studied in Hebrews. And we look at the loopholes of the law because in Hebrews chapter 8 verse 7, For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. And that's how the Lord made the law. And that's how he gave the law. So that the second would be sought. You see? And by and large, under the Old Covenant and the Old Testament, 
There's not the mixture of faith with the majority. But there is a mixture of faith with a remnant. Very important to understand. And not just for the sake of understanding. But when you understand, it's... I don't have words to say, describe, or express how marvelous our Lord is at what he has done. Remember the dominoes? The dominoes, things that the Lord put in motion many, 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 many moons ago. The things that angels peer into. That first domino, ping, and then domino number two, three, four, and all throughout generations, things that angels peer into. The prophets of the Old Testament, the prophets of the New Testament, servants of the Most High in the Old Testament, servants of the Lord in the New Testament, friends of the Lord in the Old Testament, friends of the Lord in the New Testament, and friends of the Lord today. Who tell you of God's love? His love for you. You see, things that angels peer into. You see, the angels aren't excluded when the formula is right. Angels aren't excluded in the work of the Lord. These are things that we see in the book of Acts. Remember in Hebrews chapter 1, our study from Hebrews 1? We see angels very active in the book of Acts. But today, you see, meanwhile, you have pastors today. Oh, yeah, the gifts of the Spirit. That was for 2,000 years ago. It's not for today. That's a lie from hell. That's a lie from Satan's servants. Oh, yeah, the, the gifts of the Spirit. That's, that's not for today. That was for another dispensation. That was for 2,000 years ago, give or take a couple years. It's not for today. Why do you say that, pastor? You know, if you have a pastor that says that, number one, jump ship. But then if you're so inclined, ask them, why do you say that, pastor? You know what they'll tell you? Well, we don't see that today. We don't see the, the, the gifts of the Spirit like the, book of the, like the book of Acts today. And so, therefore, it was for that dispensation. No, 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 no. Therefore... The gifts of the Spirit that we see in the book of Acts, they're not with you, Pastor. Why is that, Pastor? Why is it, Pastor, that you teach that the gifts of the Spirit that we see in the book of Acts, why is it that, number one, that you say it's not for today, but why is it that we don't see that in you, pastor. The very fact that pastors today even utter those words, it reveals that they're disqualified. They're disqualified. You see? Very important to understand. And there's a huge battle that's happening today where you have Reformed theology and Calvinists 
arguments that ensue with Pentecostals and the charismatic movement. And, you know, both have their issues. Calvinism, Reformed theology, unbiblical. You have pastors. Their pastors say, go ahead and take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. And you say, okay, does that mean that, that uh, 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 charismatic is better? Well, you look at charismatic and you look at understand formula as written in the word of God. And you're like, well, wait a second. You have a fellowship of 100 people and 100 people are speaking in tongues in the fellowship. You have glitter falling down from the roofs and they call it the Holy Spirit. There's problems in both. You see? Major problems. In, but if you're in Calvinist church, Reformed church, hey, jump ship. You got to leave. We're in the last days. It's not a time to play games. Not to suggest that 100 years ago or 50 years ago, it was a time to play games. But today, even more so. Don't play games with the Lord. There's no expiration date on the gifts of the Spirit. But when you see gifts of the Spirit not with certain people, there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. And sometimes gifts of the Spirit are not with certain people and they fake it. And they try to fake it and they, they, they say, oh yeah, I'm speaking in tongues. Oh, look, my five-month-old baby is speaking in tongues. No, that's Google Gaga. That's baby language. You see? Or they have glitter and they say, oh, look, that's the Holy Spirit. Glitter. You see? They don't have the Spirit, so they fake it. Or they don't have the Spirit, so they lie about it. Not, not, not lie about it, lie about Him. The Holy Spirit is a Him, not an it. You see? If you're Pentecostal or charismatic, I love you. But listen to our study from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14. You'll understand more about the Spirit and the many gifts. Speaking in tongues is one of many. And there's order in fellowships. And I love you. Sometimes, you know, the Calvinists get mad at me. The Reforms get mad at me. And then sometimes the charismatic Pentecostals get mad. It's like, wait a second. Let's look at the Bible and see what the Bible says. You see? You say, wait a second, the, the, the Calvinists, they look at the Bible too. Well, then comes discernment. Rightly dividing the word of God. Now listen to our study through Romans 8, 9, 10, and 11. 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Romans 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11. Listen to those studies. Because you'll learn about predestination. Biblical predestination. Very important. It's not a time to play games. We're in the last days. It's not a time to play games. It's not a time to be lukewarm. And so we see in Hebrews 8 where, you know, if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. And we look at here in Judges 18, they have the law of the Sabbath. But where's the Sabbath? You see? It's the loopholes of the law. There is no Sabbath. Because real Sabbath is Jesus Christ, Son of the Most High. Fulfillment of the law. And so they speak to the, the, the recon team, the Danite recon team. You know, they want, you know, they see the priest. And they should have immediately known. 
Okay, formula's wrong in the priest. I mean, say for that, in the, the same earlier example, say you and me, we're guests in a home and there's opulence that we see. The mom-son duo, there's opulence. And we look around, we see the paraphernalia and we're like, okay, we're gonna state our business and we're out because we get the heebie-jeebies here. We do not like it. It's just like, the, the 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 creepazoid factor is just off the charts and we're like okay we're gonna stay at our business and boom we're out and then all of a sudden we hear the footsteps down the hall and it's the pastor's got a big old smile on his face and he speaks christianese oh yeah i live here i got free room and board i live here look i got this provisions i got my nice car you see oh look they they lent me their, uh, uh, their Rolls Royce. Now, you and me, would we then seek counsel from him? That pastor? Because we could either jump ship, like leave that house and okay, we got to get a new church because this guy's compromised. Or... Would we seek counsel from such a pastor? Because that's what the Danites do. This recon team. They see, they see the idols. And then they see the Levite, the priest. And what do they say in verse 5? Oh, inquire of God. That we may know whether the journey on which we go will be prosperous. The Lord already told them the blueprints. Remember Moses in Deuteronomy? Not just in Deuteronomy, but in Numbers as well. Casting lots in, 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 in Joshua? They already have the blueprints. You see? And yet they're going to a person. They're going to a person. Yeah, he's a Levite. He's a Levite. But you know his type. You know his kind. You know his credentials, so to speak. Because you have a Levite who's among the idols. In the home of idolatry. And a lot of times people say, oh, look, Micah has influenced him. No, 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 no. Put the finger on mama. You see, it started with her. How she raised her kid. Idolatrous mama raising idolatrous son. And now the idolatrous son bought the idolatrous priest, Levite. And the recon team of Dan, who have forgotten, they don't remember. Because the blueprints, Moses, it's already there. The blueprints, the lots, already there. Joshua and Moses, already there. And yet, who is it that they go to for counsel? Oh, priest, inquire of the Lord. Please inquire of God that we may know whether the journey on which we go will be prosperous. That's verse 5. You see? And verse 6, and the priest said to them, go in peace. The presence of the Lord be with you on your way. Wow. The idolatrous priest gives them counsel. Very interesting. 
Say, for example, that, 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 that example where you and me were in that home where we get the heebie-jeebies and we just want to get out of there. And all of a sudden, the pastor comes out. And we're like, well, what business have you here, pastor? Why are you here? Oh, I live here. Look, my room, it's so big. Look at this bathroom. It's got this big, you know, the tubs and this and that and look at this i got my flat screen and oh look at these car keys these car keys are for the rolls see that rolls royce out in the out in, in the in, in in the driveway that's my car and they pay me my provisions look at my threads you see look at all these nice clothes and that's one thing everything is revealed okay the household is crazy, mom is crazy, son is crazy, pastor is crazy. Everything is revealed. It's, it's there. But then why would we then say, hey, pastor, can we get counsel from you? Hey, pastor, can you help us in the ways of righteousness? Hey, pastor, can you help us understand what the Bible says about, you know, this and that? Hey, pastor, can you give us, can you pray for us, pastor? Hey, pastor, we need some wisdom. Can you tell us what we should do, where we should go? Can you tell us how we do this, how we do that? Hey, pastor, can you tell us? We see that you have the degrees on your wall. We see that you went to seminary. We see that you have a PhD in theology. We see that you have your master's and you have all these certificates. And you went to this Bible college and, oh, yeah, you know, you have your study Bible. And Hey, pastor, can we want some counsel when everything is revealed. You see, the Danites, they forgot. They forgot the Lord. And that's what's happening today in these last days. When Paul says, hey, I'm afraid, he reveals his phobia. I'm afraid. And Paul doesn't say, I'm afraid because of the wolf. He doesn't say, I'm afraid because of Satan and Satan's servant. He doesn't say, I'm afraid because of them. He doesn't say that. He says, I'm afraid because of you guys. Because you're going to put up with it. Why do they put up with it? Because they don't know formula. Chloe knew formula. I think that's so beautiful with Chloe. I'm so in love with Chloe. Because you take beautiful Chloe. I mean, she's female. And, and that just makes it all the more harder. Because, you know, if she were male, you know, she could have, you know, certain conversations with the pastors, with the elders. And, you know, there was the, the fact that she's female just puts, it amplifies the beauty. It amplifies the beauty. To know, to know formula so much that she knows that she cannot submit to pastor number one, pastor number two, pastor number three, pastor number four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Remember Paul when he says you have 10,000 teachers. So we say pastor number one, teacher number two, three, four, but you know, let's, you know, 999, a thousand, you know, 
9,999, and then boom, finally we hit 10,000. And for Chloe to know formula so much. And what's so beautiful about Chloe, among other things, is that with Chloe, the same word was given. I mean, Chloe is a resident of Corinth. What she heard when Paul came to town, what she heard is the same as what everybody heard. You see, when Paul came to town and preached the gospel, Chloe heard what the pastors heard or, you know, what everybody heard. And, you know, these people became pastors. Oh, the, the men became pastors. Men became elders. What was set in motion was set in motion with all of Corinth. Well, not all of Corinth, but the, the people who became Christians, Chloe being one of them, and many more. But then in the course of time, something is revealed. Chloe, she's different, you see? She's different. And that's what happens in churches sometimes. I shouldn't say sometimes, a lot of times. Where the word goes forth, the same word goes forth. The same word goes forth. Except in some, you don't see growth. And in others, you see growth. You see? These are things that pastor cannot mandate. Elders cannot mandate. You teach, you pour, you pray. You live as an example. Full package, you know, pack, full package, package four. Not package one, two, three, package four, full package. Now, if you're listening for the first time, you're like, now he's talking about packages, go back and listen to our study of the pastoral epistles. First Timothy, second, or the introduction to First Timothy, uh, and then First Timothy, second Timothy, Titus, and then Philemon. Go back and listen. Everything is housed. Everything is resourced for you. Thewayunderground.com. Thewayunderground.com. Everything is free of charge. No charge. Go and listen. It's for you. So that you can understand. And be like beautiful Chloe. You see? And so in this example we give, where this home is just nasty. The paraphernalia, and yeah, they got the opulence, but it's a, a whole lot of opulence of nastiness. Disgusting things, things that are not of the Lord. You see the bongs over here and the pipes over here. It's like, whoa, this is, this is nasty. I got to get out of here. You see a little Buddha on the corner. You're like, whoa, you know, with the belly. And it's like, whoa, I got to get out of here. You see all kinds of aisles, the chakras, you see crystals. And then you hear mom speak Christianese to her son. Oh, the Lord bless you, son. The Lord bless you, son. You see pastor. Now, would you ask counsel from the pastor? No way, you cannot. Because in the pastor, the formula is wrong. What kind of counsel do you think he's going to give when he is compromised? 
when he has a church and he's, you know, he, he, he stands at the pulpit and he teaches the Bible and he preaches. But then you look at, you know, lifestyle. Remember, everything is open to scrutiny. You look at the pastor, you're like, okay, he's shacked up with these people. The people are paying him. He's got this room. Yeah, he's got his opulence. He's got his Rolls Royce and, you know, he's a free, free room and board. But then you're like, wow, all these crack pipes everywhere, all this paraphernalia, the Buddha, you know, the crystals, all these idols everywhere, angels, you know, statues of angels everywhere. You got Mary over here, statue of Mary or poster of Mary, you know, a nice framed picture of Mary. Are you going to seek counsel from that guy? You cannot. Do not. And yet the Danites, hey, tell us, are we going to be prosperous? That's what they do. They see, they see everything. Everything is laid bare. And they see the priest, hey, priest, tell us, are we going to be prosperous? And in verse 6, the priest says, oh, yeah, go in peace. The presence of the Lord be with you on your way. You see? Remember the moms, Micah's mom, the Lord bless you. Samson's mom, the Lord bless you. They say the exact same thing, yet what is said by one is worlds apart from the other. Why? Because of formula. The formula must be right in accordance to the word of God. People seeking counsel today. Maybe you are seeking counsel. Maybe you want counsel and desire counsel. What do I do? Do I go over here? Do I go over there? Do I do this? Do I do, I do that? Pastor, what say you? Elder, what say you? Teacher, what say you? Ministry leader, what say you? Because when Himenaeus says, go in peace, and Paul says, go in peace, who will you heed? You see? Because when you understand formula, Himenaeus and Paul, both two pastors, one is dangerous, very dangerous to submit to. The other is very safe to submit to. You see? And the young Levite says to the Danite recon team, go in peace. Look what happens here in verse 7. So the five men departed and went to Laish. They saw the people who were there, how they dwelt safely in the manner of the Sidonians, quiet and secure. And there were no rulers in the land who might put them to shame for anything. And they were far from the Sidonians, we see in verse 7, and they had no ties with anyone. In verse 8, Then the spies came back to their brethren at Zorah and Eshtaol, and their brethren said to them, What is your report? So the recon team returns, or they, 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 the, the, the recon team, they come back, and the Danites, Hey, what did you see? What is your report? In verse 9, So they said, Arise, let us go up against them. For we have seen the land, and indeed it is very good. Would you do nothing? Do not hesitate to go and enter to possess the land. You see, such confidence. Such bravado. They didn't have this confidence earlier. They didn't have the bravado earlier when they sought counsel from the Levite in Micah's house with the idols. And now all of a sudden they have confidence. 
I wonder if they'd have the same confidence, the same bravado, had they seen the giants of Canaan. I wonder. More can be said here, but we're going to table that for another day. I want to say something to pastors. Pastors, qualified shepherds of fellowships around the world. We're living in very dangerous times, perilous times. Understand the times and pour into your people so that they can know, so that they can understand formula. Just like John the Baptist, when his beautiful students, his beautiful students, teacher, what do we do? They're with John the Baptist and they see Jesus. Teacher, what do we do? And beautiful John the Baptist. I'm so in love with John the Baptist. He says, I must decrease. He must increase. Go to him. Beautiful students, go to him. You see? As that's, that's the shepherd of the last days. And then John the Baptist gets his head chopped off. And that's the shepherd of the last days. And so this Danite recon team, with their bravado, and they have a boost of confidence from the priest of Micah who get you who confirmed, oh, go in peace, you'll be you'll be prosperous. They got that that confidence boost. Oh, the priest says this. They saw the idols. That priest is compromised. Yeah, he's got the, he's Levite. He has the teaching of priests. But is he a priest? Is he Abuda Abuda Mishkan? Because remember, in the law, according to the law, what we, what we opened up with, what should have happened. Where the priest says, you know, hey, you know, nice to meet you, Micah. Nice to meet you, Mama. And I see the idols. And listen, we got to destroy the idols. And, you know, we have to sacrifice some animals. And we have to get you cleaned up so that you can be right with the Lord. Because tomorrow at noon is the stoning. It's time for stoning. And I don't want you to be in that mix. And so we got to get you cleaned up. What say you? You see? And Micah and Mama could say, Priest, you're right. Let's destroy these idols. Let's start this process of getting right with the Lord. You see? And that's what happens with humility. And just as we read what James says and what Peter says, the Lord resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. That's what should have happened with the priest, but oh no, that's not what happened. The priest was bought and paid for. No problem with idols. But in the eyes of the Lord, a major problem with idolatry. You see? And so this priest, 
Danite recon team is now spreading to the all the, the Danites and now they have come oh look we have confirmation that we're going to be prosperous because the priest told us we're going to be prosperous I dare not say the priest of the Lord he's a priest of Micah because this particular priest this particular Levite he is not a priest of the Lord he's a priest of Micah bought and paid for you see and the Danite recon team they're giving this report in verse 10 when you go you will come to a secure people and a large land for God has given it into your hands a place where there is no lack of anything that is on the earth in verse 11 and 600 men of the family of the Danites went from there from Zorah and Eshtaol armed with weapons of war then they went up and encamped in Kirjath Jearim in Judah Therefore, therefore, they called the, that place Mahena Dan to this day. This is encampment of Dan is how it translates in the Hebrew, encampment of Dan. There it is, west of Kirjath Jarim. Verse 13, and they passed from there to the mountains of Ephraim and came to the house of Micah. Now, it's 600 men now, armed with weapons. They arrived at Micah's house. So the recon team, they come back. The Danites say, hey, what, 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 what's the report? They give the report. Oh, the Lord has given this land. Remember, they have that boost of confidence from the compromised priest that Micah bought and paid for. You say, okay, now let's look at Micah. Micah was an idolater. Remember? Oh, did, did it start with Micah? No, it started with Mama, her idolatry. Things that we studied last week. And so now what spread from mama to son and now son to recon team and now recon team to Danites. You see how it just blows up and gets worse and worse and worse. Somewhere in the life of mama. She went way off. Somewhere. She went way off idolatry and it just gets worse and worse and worse we're seeing a little picture here with mama with son with priest with the recon team with the tribe and now with these 600 men armed with weapons we're seeing yeah we're in judges 17 and 18 but these are things that have happened all throughout the book of judges and it's what happens when the Lord becomes forgotten. And everyone doing what is right in their own eyes. You see? And so now, the Danites, the, 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 the recon team gave the report, and then they send the, the, the uh, in verse 11, 600 men armed with weapons of war. And meanwhile, in verse 14, still in that same area, then the five men who had gone out to spy out the country of Laish. Remember, this is the recon team now. So there's of the Danites, there's the 600 armed with weapons. And they're at Micah's house. In verse 13, they're at Micah's house. And in verse 14, now you have the recon team. The five men who had gone out to spy out the country of Laish answered and said to their brethren, Do you know? Do you know that there are in these houses an ephod, household idols, a carved image, and a molded image? Now, therefore, consider what you should do. Very interesting. We see how idolatry became quite commonplace. 
no adherence to the teachings of Moses, no adherence to the teachings of Joshua. But we have a Levite. We have a Levite priest in Laish. That's nice. Wrong formula. A lot of times people think there's safety with pastors. Oh, look, I go to church. I'm good to go. I'm okay. Look, I go to church. I'm a Christian. I'm good to go. I go to church. Who's your pastor? Joyce Meyer. She's my pastor. The Bible says, submit, submit to, uh, uh, to, the, to the rulers because they watch out for your soul. And so I submit to Joyce Meyer. Oh, look, I go to church. I'm a Christian. I'm okay. Don't worry about me. Who's your pastor? Oh, Pastor Benny. Pastor Benny, he's got the gifts of the Spirit. You see? Wrong formula. Wrong formula. There's a major problem with that. Major, major. Remember the demons to the sons of Siva? Jesus we know. Paul we know. But who in the world are you? And we're living in a time, today, presently, we're living in a time where Satan knows his time is short. He roams around like a lion waiting for whom he may devour, just like we studied on Sunday. And he roams around like a lion. Remember the, the two lions? And we roam around, he, he roams around like a lion. Remember the two lions? There's Satan and Jesus presented as lions. One will kill you. And the other will give you life. Choose. One is of Judah. Choose. In one is death. In the other is life. You see? Very important. But we're living in a time when Jesus says, remember when he spoke of the, uh, 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 a guy who's been, uh, the demon has left a guy? He was demon-possessed, and then he's freed in Christ. And praise be to the Lord. But that's not a singular event where, okay, he's free from the Lord. Or he's, he's, he, the demon is left, and now he's free in Christ. And okay, done deal. Because that demon is going to come back. Jesus tells us that demon is going to come back. And when that demon comes back, he's going to come back with friends, other demons that are worse than him. And if that Christian, if that believer is not ready to fight, rules of engagement of the new covenant, if he's not ready to fight, if she's not ready to fight, Jesus says that the state of that person is going to be worse than the first. You ever see that? Where somebody, say somebody is addicted to marijuana. They're addicted to marijuana. They become Christians. A person is addicted to marijuana. He becomes a Christian. And he's freed from his addiction from marijuana. And it's beautiful. Praise be to the Lord. That is a beautiful thing. But then say, for example, that Christian 
who's free from the Lord or free from the demon and the, 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 the bondage of, uh, of marijuana. He's a Christian. And now he submits himself to a false teacher. Now he submits himself to a no package teacher, not package one, two, three, not even package four, not even package one, not just straight up no package. A pastor who has the wrong formula. And he's not thoroughly equipped to fight. He's not thoroughly equipped for war. Now, that demon where he had the strong stronghold of marijuana, that demon is going to come back but he's not going to come back by himself. Now these demons are going to come back. He's going to come back with his friends and they're going to come back. It's now, it's not just marijuana. It's the whiskey. It's the crack. It's the cocaine. It's the, you know, ayahuasca. It's all kinds of things that are worse. And that Christian who was freed by the Lord from that stranglehold of marijuana if he's not ready for that fight, he's going to lose that fight. And Jesus says the state of that person is going to be worse than the first. And you see that you, you don't even need me to tell you that, you know, do you, do you, have you ever seen this? Because we live in a time where you see it, you see it left and right. You see it happening everywhere. Where a person is, you know, on marijuana comes the crisis, free in the Lord and praise be to the Lord. It's a beautiful thing, but. Six months pass, a year passes, and now he's on. He's alcoholic. He's doing his, you know, his uh, 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 opioids. He's doing, you know, ayahuasca. He's doing crack, and he's doing marijuana. Now marijuana is like the least, the the least stronghold, stranglehold. You see, because Satan roams around like a lion, and he's devouring. He's devouring. Pastors aren't equipping. Pastors aren't teaching. Pastors aren't equipping. Pastors aren't training. Straight up combat. Spiritual. We don't fight with weapons according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are spiritual. They are non-carnal. But we fight. You take a female. Same example. She's... Addicted to marijuana. She's free from that. In Christ, the Lord frees her. And praise be to the Lord. And her friend says, hey, come on, let's go to this church. And she says, who's the pastor? She, the guy says, oh, it's Joyce Meyer. She says, no, I, I heard bad things about her. I'm going to go to this other. It's a small church. It's a tiny church. Not a lot of people. I'm going to go there. And she studies the word. She's taught the word of God. She's being equipped. Now the demon that you know the the the, the demon that went to the guy you know he's lost because you know he's he's going to, to you know a place where he can't learn he can't be equipped. He's not growing. He might be in preschool, but the problem is he's going to stay in preschool. Wrong formula. And then he succumbs. He loses that fight. 
And now it's not marijuana, now it's crack and goofballs and all kinds, you know, ayahuasca and all kinds of mess. Oh, it's natural. They say, oh, it's all natural. You know, God created it, so it's okay. So I'm going to take my magic mushrooms. God created it. God created ayahuasca, so I'm going to take it. People make up excuses. Oh, look, it's natural. You know, God God made the, the, the CBDs and God made the ayahuasca. So look, it's fine. I'll do my, you know, psychedelics. It's natural. You know, mushrooms, magic mushrooms. They make up excuses for wickedness. But then the lady, she used to be on marijuana. Now those demons come and what does she do? She slays. She busts out her sword and just straight up slays. Why? Because she's a warrior. Marijuana demon, gone. Ayahuasca demon, gone. You see? Goofball demon, gone. She's straight up taking names. Because she's a warrior. She's been taught. You see? Very important. Our Lord teaches us. And so we see like this reconting. They say to the 600 men ready to fight, men of Dan, he points out they, they, the, the reconting. They point out in verse 14, the ephah, the household idols, the carved image, the molded image. Consider what you should do. In verse 15, so they turned aside there and came to the house of the young Levite man, to the house of Micah, and greeted him. So in verse 16, the 600 men armed with their weapons of war, who were the, of the children of Dan, stood by the entrance of the gate. <clears throat> verse 17, then the five men, this is the recounting. The five men who had gone out to spy out the land went up. Entering there, they took the carved image, the ephod, the household idols, and the molded image. The priest stood at the entrance of the gate with the 600 men who were armed with, the weapon, with weapons of war. In verse 18, when these went into Micah's house and took the carved image, the ephod, the household idols, and the molded image, the priest said to him, what are you doing? What are you doing? The priest, the bought and paid for priest. What are you doing? So notice they took this, the idols, they took the image in the ephod, the, the, the carved image in the molded image. Did they take them to destroy them? Like Moses did with the golden calf. Remember Moses, he was hot with anger. The Bible says he was hot with anger at the idolatry. And being hot with anger, he destroyed the golden calf. Here in Judges 18. Where's the indignation? Where's the indignation? The carved image, the e idols, the ephod, the molded image. Where's the indignation? Micah's priest is with the 600 now asking, what are you doing? In verse 19, and they said to him, be quiet, put your hand over your mouth and come with us. Be a father and a priest to us. Is it better for you to be a priest to the household of one man 
or that you be a priest to a tribe of a family in Israel. Remember, this is at a time when everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes. You see, the priest, he's convinced. He's convinced what is right in his eyes is not for the people to be clean. In him, you don't see Abodah, Abodah, Mishkan. He's Levite. He's priest. Wrong formula. You see, the 600 Danite men, there who would destroy idols this is idolatry who is there the the the, the recon team they don't want to destroy the idols the 600 men they don't want to destroy the idols is there just one person who will destroy idols you see in verse 20 notice what happens here the priest's heart was glad and he took the ephod, the household, the household idols, and the carved image, and took his place among the people. Idolatry. This is idolatry. No destruction of the idols like Moses. No, we don't see that. The idolatry of Micah's mom spread to her son, which spread to Laish, and now... It's spread to the recon team and it's spread to the 600 Danites. It's just like the cancer of Hymenaeus. Just like we said, we studied this on Sunday. It just so happens. It just so happens. But Hymenaeus is a pastor. Surely his counsel is sound. He's a pastor. Jimenez is a teacher. Surely we should heed his counsel. Just like this priest. He's a priest. He's a Levite. Surely we can heed his counsel. But when you understand the formula, you know this priest, you cannot submit to him. When you understand the formula, Jimenez, you understand. You cannot submit to him. You see? Verse 21, then they turned and departed and put the little ones, the livestock and the goods in front of them. And you know, this formation says a lot. I mean, you know, this, they turned to part of verse 21 and put the little ones, the livestock and the goods in front of them. Look who's leading. Just the formation alone says a lot. The baby's in the front. That says a lot. I mean, who would go to war and put babies in the front? You see? Very interesting what we see. Just in this formation alone. In verse 22, when they, were, when they were a good way from the house of Micah, the men who were in the houses near Micah's house gathered together and overtook the children of Dan. And they called out to the children of Dan and turned around and said to Micah, what ails you that you have gathered such a company? So like you know, the, the children of Dan, they're like on their way, the children leading. And then, you know, the, the, the uh, uh, Micah's neighbors, they caught up to them. They overtook. This isn't like a military, like, you know, they overtook them and beat them. No, they, they caught up to them. And so they, what ails you that you have gathered such a company? They, that's what they turn around. They say that to Micah in verse 24. So they said, you have taken away my gods, which I made. Very interesting. 
You have taken away my gods. Of all the people, Micah, his neighbors, the recon team, the 600, the priest. Is there no one that sees what's very wrong? And Micah acknowledges that the idols are his gods. You have taken away my gods, he says, which I made. And the priest and you have gone away. Now what more do I have? Look at the clout that Micah has placed on these idols of his. You've taken my idols. You've taken my gods. He doesn't say you've taken my idols. You've taken away my gods. You see? Such clout. And that's what people say. Oh, yeah, it's just the Old Testament. It's just the Old Testament idolatry of the Old Testament. But you ever see people with their pornography? You ever see people with their crack, with their cocaine, with their gambling? You see these addictions? Oh, that's my precious, my precious gambling. Oh, look, you know, there's people who fast and they pray. Lord, you know, I'm going to fast for a week so that when I go to the casino, you can bless me with $10,000. And you, if you give me $10,000, I'll give you a cut. I'll give you 100 bucks. My precious gambling. It's their God. The strippers. It's their God. Their idols. Their pornography. It's their idols. Their alcohol. It's their idols. You see? Look at Micah. You've taken away my gods. Very interesting what we see here in Judges 18. At a time when everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes, Israel has no king. Remember, leadership matters. Leadership matters. And it's one thing when we say king, when we say leadership like Moses, leadership like Joshua. Ultimately, when we, we're going to keep studying and when we get to uh, uh, Samuel, when Samuel tells the people, no, the Lord is our king. The Lord is our king. No, we want our king. Give us a king. And the Lord speaks to Samuel. Samuel, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. Just like with Jesus. We have no king but Caesar. Rejecting the Lord. Micah, he has indignance. You've taken away my gods. You've taken away my gods, which I made. The priest, you've gone away. What more do I have? How can you say to me what ails you? He's mad. And he's mad, yes. But it's not righteous indignation. 
Because righteous indignation like Moses with the golden calf, he destroyed, he was hot with anger and he destroyed the golden calf. Micah's mad because his precious idols are gone. You see? Look at people who have their addictions to sex and pornography and alcohol and drugs. You take the crack away, they're mad because their idol is gone. You see? You see, a lot of times we study the Old Testament and, you know, if you have a habit of thinking that that's just reserved for the Old Testament, oh yeah, let's just learn from the Old Testament. What does that mean to me? How, how does this apply to me? Listen, get that mindset out of, out of your mind, out of your heart, because these are things that Paul says that these things written of old were written for our admonition, for our warning to help us so that we can grow and mature in Christ. You see? Micah's mad, but he's not mad like Moses was because when Moses had righteous indignation, he destroyed the golden calf. Micah's mad because he loved his idols. Good job, mom. Good job, mom. Train your children well. Train your children well. You see? And start when they're young. Start when they're young, when it's easy, you know? Because, you know, it, it, it's easy when they're little because, you know, you see like people say, oh, look, he's so cute. Look, he's so cute. Look, he stole this cookie. And oh, look, it's so cute. And yeah, it's, it's, you know, no big deal. You stole a cookie. You took a cookie. It's like, okay, it's, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's not like, you know, you know, the, the death penalty. No. But you take that little seed. Took a cookie. Little things that can be addressed. Just like, you know, several weeks ago, we talked about the death penalty. You go to death row, male or female prison. You go to female prison. A lady's in there. She's been in there for five years and she's going to get the electric chair. And you talk with her. And yes, there was a crime committed. Say it was like a, just a gruesome crime. Multiple people died and just a gruesome, gruesome scene. And you're like, like, how could a human even do this to another human or another humans? And yet she did it. But you hit the rewind button in her life. And she was a beautiful, beautiful baby. What happened? Where did things go wrong? You see? A guy who was on death row, where did, he was a little baby. He's, you know, say he's 38 years old and he's going to get an electric chair next week. You hit the rewind button in his life and he was a little baby. He stole a cookie and, you know, the parents just laughed it off. Oh, look, uh, no big deal. Oh, you took a cookie. Oh, uh -huh. And then the kid learns, oh, wow, you know, mom and dad, they think it's funny. So look, I'm going to steal more cookies. Oh, look, they laugh. I'm going to steal more cookies. Look, they laugh. 
Now, instead of stealing cookies from the cookie jar, I'm going to go to the convenience store and I'm going to steal cookies. You see? And now I'm going to steal cookies and, you know, now I'm going to, you know, do a hold up. Take my, you know, the, the, the Saturday night special. And instead of cookies, now it's cash. You see? And one of the tellers wanted to get froggy, so now I shot him. There was a lady there who witnessed, and so I, you know, took her car and, you know, threw her in the, threw her through to the side, took her car, raped her, killed her, all these things. Now he's on death row. You say, well, you're going too far with this. You know, okay, we get it with the cookies. Now you're talking about rape and murder and all, you know, maiming multiple people. You're going too far. But am I? Look, look at Micah. Look at Micah. You hit the rewind button in Micah's life. Micah's life. He was a beautiful boy. A beautiful baby boy. What happened? Mama. The idolatry of Mama. Had him on the wrong trajectory. Now look how far he is away from the Lord. Just like beautiful, beautiful little girl. In the hands of Mama. And when mama sends her off on the wrong trajectory, now she's on death row as she awaits the electric chair. Just like the beautiful boy in the hands of mama. And now he's awaits, he awaits the electric chair. You see? Parents, train your children. Don't forget the millstone. Make sure the trajectory you send your children, you teach your children, you send, make sure it's honorable unto the Lord. According to formula. They'll be so, it's so beautiful. I mean, it's, you're going to have hardships. If your kids are little, you're going to have hardships. But the hardships of age 18 on up, they're going to be way worse if you don't endure the hardships of today. I've talked to grieving moms, adult children with their sex, their drugs, their alcohol, jail, prison. I mean, it's never too late for, 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 for parents. I mean, just like with, with the, 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 the parents of Samson, you know, like always pray for your children. But in sometimes, you know, with the, the, the hands on teaching, like when they're five years old and eight years old and 12 years old, sometimes it's too late. Because of failure to teach and train in the younger years, now you have to reap what you have sown in the older years. You see? Very important. When you look at the two moms, Mama of Micah and Mama of Samson, big difference. Big difference. Both say, you know, the Lord bless you. Very different. Why? Formula. 
And so we see here in verse 25. And the children of Dan said to him, Do not let your voice be heard among us, lest angry men fall upon you, and you lose your life with the lives of your household. Then the children of Dan went their way. So they need a little, little threat, you know, like the children that, hey, you're going to die. If you, if, you don't, if you don't be quiet about it, hey, we're going to kill you. Notice, <laughs> Micah, he loves his idols. Dan, they love the idols. Where is the Lord? This is what happens when the Lord becomes forgotten. Everybody is doing what is right in their own eyes. We see here in verse 26, Then the children of Dan went their way, and when Micah saw that they were too strong for him, he turned, he turned and went back to his house. In verse 27, <clears throat> So they took the things Micah had made, and the priests who had belonged to him, and went to Laish, to a people quiet and secure. And they struck them with the edge of the sword and burned the city with fire. There was no deliverer because it was far from Sidon. And they had no ties with anyone. It was in the valley that belongs to Beth Rehob. So they rebuilt the city and dwelt there. And they called the name, they called the name of the city Dan, after the name of Dan, their father, who was born to Israel. However, the name of the city was formerly the name of the city formerly was Laish. You look at this, what's happening here. They're victorious in battle, you might say. But the law gives very specific instruction about warfare. Remember our studies? To lead with peace? They haven't done that. Is there cause for celebration? They're victorious in battle. Things get worse. Notice what happens here in verse 30. Then the children of Dan set up for themselves the carved image and Jonathan, the son of Gershom, the son of Manasseh. Now, something has to be said here. Modern translations attribute, attribute this to the lineage of Moses. But they do so based on an iteration of a modern Hebrew text in Tanakh. Now, Tanakh is the Old Testament, but it's you know, written in Hebrew. And the modern Hebrew text of Tanakh and post-Alexandrian translators. What happened with them is they didn't look at more ancient texts. Because in the ancient text, the lineage doesn't line up. So you might have a Bible translation where, you know, we teach from the New King James Version, but, you know, from time to time, if you've been listening for a while, you know, we, you hear us mention the Hebrew, you hear us mention um, uh, Aramaic sometimes or Greek. Uh, uh, remember the Septuagint math in, uh, uh, in, in the book of Numbers? But you might have a Bible that points to the lineage of Moses. Now, if that's the case, you have a post-Alexandrian text and understand that there are certain dangers with post-Alexandrian translations in terms of deviation away from ancient texts. And so when you look at the lineage, even though if you have like a, a modern translation, it, it might mention Moses, but understand the ancient text, the, the, the most ancient text, referred to Manasseh, Jonathan, son of Gershom, and the son of Manasseh. So if you're following along in a, in a Bible that says, you know, Moses, then 
understand you're in a post-Alexandrian translation. And it might seem like no big deal. Understand that it's important to stick with text. As old as you can get. Which is why, you know, when we look at certain passages, we'll say, you know, the Hebrew means this, the, the, the Greek means this, or, you know, the Septuagint math. Very important. Because we're living in a time when people are leaning heavily on translations. And sometimes they're translations of a translation. And sometimes it's like three or four or five steps even where it's a translation of a translation of a translation of a translation. And it muddies everything. You see, and so we continue here in verse 30 that, you know, that in, in verse 30, the, the children of Dan set up for themselves the carved image and Jonathan, the son of Gershom, the son of Manasseh, and they, and, and his sons were priests to the tribe of Dan until the day of, cap, of, of captivity, of the captivity of the land. In verse 31, in closing. So they set up for themselves Micah's carved image, which he made all the time that the house of God was in Shiloh. See, they set up for themselves, just like we see in verse 31. They set up for themselves, for themselves, for themselves. What does that mean? It's self-inflicted. The idolatry wasn't squashed because the initial meeting and in last week in our study in chapter 17, the initial meeting, the priest in Micah's house, it should have been handled right there. Let's destroy these idols. Get some animals. I mean, everything in accordance to the law, get some animals. We'll sacrifice and sprinkle blood and atone for sin because idolatry is sin. Micah, you stole from your mom. You're not honoring her. We have to atone for sin. There has to be a covering for the sin. Life for life. Blood is in the life. There has to be blood. We have to have the sprinkling of blood. We got to get you cleaned up. Because, you know, tomorrow at noon, they're going to do the stoning. And I don't want you in that mix. You see? But when there's no priests, when... When, when there's, the formula is wrong in the priesthood, how can that cleaning happen? And when the formula is wrong in the priest, how can they even clean? Because remember, only the clean can clean. And idolatry, it spread. It festered. It grew worse. It festered in the heart of Mama. And then it trickled down to son. And then that trickled to the priest. And then that trickled to the recon team. And then when you get further in chapter 18, you see that it, it wasn't just Micah's house. Now it was endemic in that neighborhood. And then it went to the tribe of Dan. It went to the 600. And nobody destroyed the idols. And so they go to war. They, oh, look, we're victorious. We're victorious. And look what they do. They set up their idols. It got worse and worse and worse and worse. May all of us, myself included, we're in the same boat. 
May we learn from the error of Dan. Not just Dan. May we learn from the error of Dan, the priest, Laish, Micah, and Micah's mom. To the beautiful, beautiful people of the way. A remnant of these last days. God bless you. I love you.